Talk of the Devils is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favorite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder allows you to make personalized bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bets with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app it can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18 only, please gamble responsibly. Hello, I'm Carl Anker. Welcome to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. Don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic to hear this show and many more. You can sign up to get a 40% discount right now using the promo code UNITEDPOD. Our show will be available for free via the usual podcast providers. Uh, there are heaps of incredible writing available for you to read on The Athletic right now. And most notably is a remarkable piece from our writer Jack Lang that details key games in Cristiano Ronaldo's 1,000 matches of professional football. So make sure you subscribe right now. As usual, on Talk of the Devils, I'm joined by Laurie Brutwell, the Athletics Manchester United writer. Hello, Laurie. How are you doing? Carl, I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing? All right. Top of your head. Uh, what's your favourite Cristiano Ronaldo moment for Manchester United? Yeah, I was thinking about this because obviously there's quite a few. Um, the Portsmouth free kick, the, the Champions League final goal, the uh, the Roma goal um, with his head. But um, I think probably the Porto away game where he spanked it in from like 35, 40 yards. I don't know what exact distance it was, but it felt like a long, long way away. And obviously United needed to win in Porto to go through. So um, that was just a wow moment for me. And I'd probably say that one. The really interesting thing about that goal is if you watch it on the replay, you can see Rio Ferdinand scream at Ronaldo when he gets the ball going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, as usual, we also have United We Stand editor and contributing writer to the athletic, Andy Mitten. Andy, your call. Best Cristiano Ronaldo moment for Manchester United. Roma away in 2008. It was um, a really tough game. United have played Lyon, very tough match in the, in the previous round. And to go to Roma, where United had never won in, in the last day of the Champions League, uh, and for him to score such an amazing goal to put the team ahead, uh, powering that header in from a, a Paul Scholes cross, Wayne Rooney had contributed to it. That was the night where I thought, wow, wow, wow. That was the night that Viva Ronaldo took off among the 4,000 United fans in the Olympico in Rome, and I, I, I felt that when United were great, you'd have two moments a season where you'd, you'd be lost for words. United beat Barcelona in the semi-finals, Chelsea in the finals. They were champions of England, champions of Europe, champions of the world. And Cristiano Ronaldo was the best player in England, in Europe and in the world. Ah, uh, heady days. 2008. It's a long, long time ago. But let's talk about the present day. And uh, Manchester United, strangely... I've had a good week. Uh, how how were Manchester United? Were they as good as the three 0 scoreline suggested? Uh, well, to begin with, actually they were pretty terrible. Um, it was kind of comically bad um, the, the way they started. I don't know if a few of them had been watched, had been up watching the Tyson Fury fight five AM jobby. Um, you know, obviously Troy Deeney was through um, fairly early on uh, with a mistake from Maguire and Matic, a miscommunication. Luke Shaw had to cover across and block, and lots of straight passes. But to be fair, uh, they obviously grew into the game, and I think with Bruno Fernandez really imposing his character on it, um, they always looked like the, the team likely to win um, obviously got a, I suppose a little bit lucky with VAR although I think that was a clear handball really from 
and Dawson even in the old rules where you know he, he seemed to nudge the ball deliberately with his arm rather than it be an accidental thing. So um, and then obviously the, the way they took the goals was just magnificent. Those those second two, I mean the Marshall goal, you know, made me go wow, and then the Greenwood goal likewise. Just the way he, he, you know he drove forward through midfield with, with, with sort of pace I'd not really seen that much of before, even though I knew he had it. Uh, and then the finish, I mean, just you just, just know he gets in that area, he will strike on goal on target. He, he, he'd drawn a save from Ben Foster just before that with his right foot. And this time he went with his left, absolute pinger into the top corner. Um, and then obviously just claps onto the turf um, in celebration. So in the end, it was a really invigorating win, actually. Um, lots of sort of good, positive um, moments about it and, and sort of confidence going forwards. Anthony Marshall in a, in a nice little run of form now. Goals against Chelsea, Bruges, and now Watford. Do you think he's responding to competition from Greenwood and Nogalo? Uh, I think certainly he's responding to the requests from Solskjaer for more from him. I mean, even after the game, Solskjaer reiterated that he still wants more from him. I know certainly the coaches have been trying to work on um, the way that he receives the ball with his back to goal, the sort of strength that he needs to show in those situations. Uh, I've obviously written a piece about how um, him and Nogalo are perhaps different in that sense. Nogalo seems to thrive on that kind of uh, physical contact, um, whereas Marshall doesn't, I don't think that's the best part of his game, but clearly if you're going to be a centre-forward, you need to sort of have that. But then, you know, you look at his finishes against Chelsea, a glancing header, you know, getting a across his man um, and putting it in with extreme accuracy um, the strength away in Bruges to hold off his defender and then finish calmly and then I mean that moment of brilliance against Wolford was absolutely sublime you know no one in the stadium I think thought he was going to do what he did uh, and then obviously once he does it you think oh of course that's what he's going to do with it um, but you know I think there's only a few players in the Premier League who could have done what he did um, so I think certainly he's, he's responding I mean this is great you know obviously Marcus Rashford being out he needs to step up and, and score goals um, as he is doing if United have got you know hopes of finishing in that top four or, or winning the Europa League so um, I think more power to him uh, and he it, it does look like in a good place at the moment Whisper it but it seems as if Manchester United have a decent amount of uh, attacking options going forward Andy give me your thoughts is Bruno Fernando, Fernandes really the difference between now and maybe the last time Manchester United played Watford yeah, well, I mean, Watford in December was was atrocious. Did won one of seventeen league games, and United went there having beaten Spurs and City, and everybody was confident that a nice little run would be coming together, and then they lost, and they didn't score. And when United lose, they don't tend to score. Seven of the eight league losses, they haven't scored. Fernandez has been the best thing about Manchester United in the past month. January was a really bad month. The team lost four times. February has been much, much better. So United won four, drawn two, haven't lost. Scored 13, conceded one goal. And Fernandez, although he's not been here for long, he's really lifted the team. He's central to most of the things that the the team are doing well. He got his first goal, a penalty. He took it with, with confidence and... I wouldn't take that for granted because I was writing pieces for the Athletic at the start of this season about Manchester United's penalty problems. And he's a confident boy. He's not afraid to offer opinion in the dressing room. The players respect him. Not just because they think that he can help them get into the Champions League and see a substantial wage increase if they do that. But he's been um, he's been a big success so far. Shirts with his name on are the number one sellers in the megastore and he's very polite around the club and he just looks like a really top, top player. I don't want to get carried away because he's played four games, but even when he came on in Bruges for those last 10 minutes, he was the best player. And 
he's settling the team down. As Laurie said, United were comically bad in, at the start of the game against Watford. But as soon as he'd won that penalty, scored that penalty, everybody just relaxed and they've got confidence in him. And he looks like a great signing. It's been a while since, well, it feels like it's been a while since Manchester United bought a, bought a player and they've just sort of kicked on immediately. But let's not get too carried away. I, will, I do want to get carried away about one thing. Manchester United managing to keep a clean sheet at home and it's sort of relatively straightforward. I mean, VAR assisted things. Laurie, you've just written a piece about Luke Shaw and his maybe reinvention from left back to left centre back. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it was a really interesting um, step by Solskjaer away at uh, Liverpool to, to put Shaw in that position. Obviously, a bespoke kind of system. You know, and you know, you would you wouldn't look at Luke Shaw and think he could play as a centre back. Really, um, you know, I know it was in back three, but even even so, you you, you know, you, you think of him bursting forward as a full back, and, and that is definitely his best position. But obviously, he's played it um, again at Chelsea, uh, in Bruges, away at City, and and each time he's done things that you think, okay, that that really works. So I've been really impressed with his adaptability and his, his eagerness to um, commit himself to, to a different position obviously he has you know moved back to full back um, against Wolves and, and and against Watford he was his you know, normal position I suppose but we've, I think we've seen moments where he's done things in that position that have been more akin to what he's been doing in the centre-back role so there's a couple of times where he got the ball and drove through the field sort of more centrally which obviously is what you do as a centre-back uh, bringing the ball out so he, he clearly is perhaps more comfortable now um, you know taking balls into, into sort of like the different areas than he would usually do um and um, yeah, I, I just think it's a fair play to him because it wasn't that long ago when people were doubting him. Um, even there's figures at United that thought, you know, would he, would he, is, is he the long term future for United when you've got a guy like Brandon Williams coming through and doing so well? Um, but I think Shaw's shown in this last last couple of months that he, he really is somebody that you, you can depend on. Um, you know, give, given the chance and given his day free from injuries, obviously that was something that Gary Neville tweeted about um, after the uh, Bruges game, I think, where he said, you know, just hope he's stays clear and he obviously has had a, a decent spell out earlier this season with his hamstring injury um, I believe there was a, a little bit of a setback in October where he was uh, you know, obviously United were were, were eager to have him back, and uh, but he he felt a another tweak to his to his hamstring, and it put him back a little bit. And, and I think that perhaps shows why away in Astana when he when he first came back, he was perhaps a little bit rusty, you know, a bit bit cautious about his his performance, and it probably reflected not a great display. Since then, he's he's had a number of good good performances. Um, I spoke to Chris Gunter actually, who did that. Uh, switch from full back to uh, centre back in a, in a three for Wales um, against Belgium in, in sort of June 2015. Um, kept Ed and Hazard and and, Ed, and, um, and and Kevin De Bruyne quiet and um, and he just talked to me about how being a full back in that position you you kind of do things that are more natural to you than a centre back would do. So often you get wingers coming inside uh, in four three three systems. Uh, or you get strikers dropping deep, and the natural inclination for a full back in that role is to get tight to them. Whereas a normal centre back in that role might want to drop drop deep and protect the space. You know, if if their speed isn't all that. So I think that's a really interesting development for Luke Shaw. Clearly, he's not going to stay as a you know back three in a centre back. You know. Uh, Predominantly, you know, exclusively, but it's it's definitely an option that Solskjaer's now got where he wants to change it up. Reading your piece, Laurie. I'm just taken aback by the fact that Luke Shaw somehow is only 24 years of age. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, obviously he signed, was he 18? Um, and he'd had like a, a brilliant explosive start to life at Southampton. Looked like a you know a good signing for United to make, 30-odd million. Um, 
and I guess he's just I think the the scale of United you know perhaps took him by surprise initially um maybe he wasn't living quite as right you know as, as you'd like to but it's, it's a big move at that age going from Southampton to, to Manchester United and all the glare that you get in in that situation I mean it obviously took David Moyes by surprise when he went from Everton and he was a seasoned manager so a, a teenager you, you know you, you, you're going to get some difficulties in the transition um and, and obviously the injuries I mean the leg break against PSV was obviously you know hugely you know um, catastrophic really for you know that time when he was he was looking great you know bursting forward as he does do um you know really seizing the initiative so I think he's had, he's had he's had unlucky moments um and I think also he's, he is switched on um you know I think he's playing closer attention working more closely with the United nutritionist on his on his fitness and it seems that that's really paid off because I mean obviously last three games six days he's played you know the full game in each time and look fit doing so. Uh, clearly, the the winter breaks helps. You know, he's away in Dubai with his his girlfriend and you know having a bit of relaxation, but also doing fitness work um, over there as well. And then obviously the Marbella trip came at a good time for working on those sort of bespoke systems. So um, he's really benefited from that. And I just I really hope he can sustain it because I think he he would be a really good option for England as well. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic, fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing wants and needs. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from a selection of over 100 brands, including established names and up and coming designers. What's next is you try on everything at home style it with other items in your wardrobe and then you simply pay for what you love and send back the rest for your stylist time you pay a charge of just 10 pound which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy remember it's try before you buy delivery and returns are free for both ways and you don't need a subscription to sign up so to get started with stitch fix today and to support our podcast go to stitchfix.co.uk slash the athletic right now that's s-t-i-t-c-h-f-i-x.co.uk forward slash athletic so Manchester United fifth in a delicately poised Europa League tie with Club Bruges Andy you were there I heard there was some um, unnecessary roughness out in Belgium yeah it's not a surprise it was exactly the same in 2015 when Manchester United played a Champions League qualifier there there are several issues in Bruges the ground is miles out of the centre which is not a problem because other football grounds are miles from the centre but they tend to have good transport links the only way you could get to Bruges Stadium because there was no Uber taxis were scarce was to go by bus four or five hours before the game uh, police boarded the bus and asked if you were English, if there are any United fans on there. I just kept my head down. Plenty of other people were told to get off the bus. And then they had to walk the last 25 minutes to the ground. The buses left every 15 minutes. There were an insufficient number of buses. I got there early. I left my brother in the centre of Bruges. And I told him, get there early. This place is a nightmare. The police are aggressive. Uh, the, the, the ground is showing its age. Get there early is my advice to him. Uh, I spoke to him two days after Bruges and he's ill. Why is he ill? Because the away end is uncovered. It was a horrible day. It rained heavily. Uh, There were hailstones at one point. It was very windy. You had a situation where half the United end squeezed into the bit of the United end which was covered, causing uh, crushing, according to people I've spoke to who were there. Uh, My brother, who, who felt like he just walked through a shower, 
for, for half an hour. He wanted to leave. He couldn't leave. Fans were kept inside the ground. There was barbed wire between the fans outside the ground. There was a water cannon, as if the fans hadn't been wet enough with the weather. And there were there were logistical issues getting back into the centre of Bruges as well. There was just no transport. And I'm able-bodied. I set off on a long one-hour walk back into the centre. Uh, not every United fan is able-bodied. There were there are a lot of pensioners who watch Manchester United in Europe. And they found that the, the stewards were panicky. And it, it was just a, a bad night for the way that away fans are treated in Europe. United fans are used to different types of policing in Europe. In Spain, you get stung by high ticket prices and police are often quite quick to react. Uh, in Bruges, there's been problems in the last two times and I'm told that Birmingham City fans had problems when they went there. It's as if they still think that all English football fans are hooligans from the 1980s. And they're not. United fans behave themselves. Yeah, they had a few beers. Why wouldn't you do that when you're in the middle of a, a city and a country famous for beers? But I think it, in, in some ways it's fortunate that there wasn't some serious uh, problems there. There were fights last time in Bruges in 2015 when Bruges fans who were banned attacked some United fans who didn't have tickets. And there was another issue in Bruges. 1,600 tickets, it's nowhere near enough. Bruges will get miles more tickets when they come to Old Trafford. They'll get a roof above their head. They'll get well treated by the police. They'll be able to get to the stadium using a thing called public transport. And there just wasn't enough of that in Bruges. It just wasn't uh, a, a good place for an away fan to visit, which is a shame because it's a beautiful city. Sounds very unsavoury and a bit of a, bit of a ball, really. The game itself was a... It looked to be a fairly straightforward one-one draw. Um, you were there. What 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 really happened? I thought the game was quite a poor game. I thought the first half an hour was dreadful. Bruges are a decent side. I think you've got to say that first of all. They were good enough to get a draw in the Bernabeu. Their away form is actually better than their home form in Europe, and they've got some fast players. Luke Shaw ran half the length of the pitch and dispossessed their fastest player, which really impressed me, Dennis. And United had a little bit of quality. Anthony Martial, again, uh, scored a key goal at a point when the team were playing very, very badly. He capitalised on a mistake. He had the physical strength to hold off uh, the defender who'd made the mistake. He finished very calmly. And a one or draw is a decent result away from home in Europe. United could draw nil-nil at home. And, and go through. United have won every home game in the Europa League this season. I'd expect them to have uh, too much quality uh, for Bruges. Uh, they've been fairly consistent in the Europa League this season. But it starts to get tough, this competition now. It's a competition United absolutely should go out and win, try and win it. But it'd be a very tough one because there are seven or eight decent teams in. I think it'll be harder to win than in 2017 under Jose Mourinho. But one thing I know is that Bruges fans will be better treated when they come to Old Trafford. Let's hope the team aren't treated quite as well and Manchester United can get a decent win. Thanks to our good friends at beer52.com, you can have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash The Athletic and pay the postage fee of £4.95. And if that wasn't enough, as an listener to Athletic Podcast, you get two extra free beers. So that's 10 beers. 
Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are passionate about UK craft scene as well. The beauty of Beer 52 is you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, and a beery snack will be thrown in too. Just go to beer52.com slash manu to get your case for free. And don't forget right now, Talk of Devils listeners get two free extra beers. It's all quite delicately poised. Laurie, can I get some of your thoughts here? Sort of fifth place in the league in a fairly favourable bit in the Europa League. Is there any chance Solskjaer hedges his bets and picks one competition over the other at the moment? Yeah, I suppose that'll be a question that develops, um, you know, the further United go in the Europa League. And obviously Jose Mourinho made that call um, fairly early on in, in United's run, sacrificing the league position for, you know, chance of Europa League glory, a trophy, and then qualification to the Champions League. So um, clearly it is a, is a realistic um, debate to be had. Um, I think... I, th- I think I mean that's obviously what was at play a little bit on the in the selection in Bruges where Solskjaer made six changes, um, some players that I think we we were all surprised to see started, um, and I guess that you know contributed to a kind of disjointed performance to begin with, and picked up when uh, Bruno Fernandes and, and Fred came on, and you got a bit more urgency about the play. So I would actually like to see you know the, much the strongest side on, on Thursday obviously you know allowing for fitness levels to be taken into account but I would like to see you know Bruno Fernandes start just because I think he he tries things and he has the confidence to you know go ahead and and make sure United win the game um I actually was looking at his um stats um if you'll allow me a little segue for a moment and and, and he actually you know his passing accuracy against um Watford was was only sort of 72 percent he gave the ball away uh 26 times times which was the highest of any United player but at the same time he made four chances and obviously contributed to each of the goals so you, you know you, that's that's what you get with him I think that was always the, the question when United decided to wait last summer um, was that was this idea that he he gave possession away a bit too much but clearly when you actually got somebody that can produce those passes and can have that moment of inspiration and creativity um, it is much better having him in your ranks than not so I would actually like to see him start on, on Thursday I don't know what his fitness levels are like if he's going to be diff- if it's going to be difficult for him to then also start on Sunday um, you know given he's come from the Portuguese league which is a lot slower tempo so I guess that has to be a consideration um, but I would I just would like to see the start with a, with a strong team and then he can make you know hopefully they get a goal or two up and, and then then Solskjaer can make subs to just consolidate and, and rest a few limbs so um, I guess we'll see some more players you know come in that perhaps you know we didn't see against Watford obviously Andreas Pereira and Jesse Lingard were left out of the squad entirely and, and Solskjaer basically said that um, you know he, he obviously just wants competition for places but I think it was clearly a, a sign to them to, to up their standards because they weren't very good in Bruges at all um, so maybe they'll get another another bite of the cherry I don't know on Thursday um, but yeah as you say it's a, it's, a, it's a tough game away at Goodison Park now I mean Carlo Ancelotti's got um, Everton playing pretty well um, I think they were probably unlucky to, to lose at Arsenal they, they seem to have a good confidence about them good good counter-attacking abilities so um, yeah it's obviously a delicate balance to, to figure out which team to pick for, for each one although I think Solskjaer to his credit has been quite good at that this season in um, planning ahead for, for, for future matches so I think Solskjaer's been quite astute in that so you know if we do see some slightly odd selections I wouldn't necessarily jump down his throat to criticise I think it might be with a longer term plan in mind so um, but yeah big week big couple of games coming up 
Speaking of big week, big names, and big choices for match selection, we've had two articles on The Athletic from uh, German footballers who mentioned their links to Manchester United. So they're, in an alternate reality, Manchester United could be lining up on Thursday and on Sunday with uh, Thomas Muller and Tony Cruz in their squads. Uh, there's an amazing interview in The Athletic right now with uh, Mr. Muller saying, he says the following, things were serious when Louis van Gaal came in in 2015 for all sides involved. I could imagine going to Manchester United then, but the club said, the club being Bayern Munich said, we wanted him to stay. Andy, what would Thomas Muller at Manchester United have looked like? I think it would have been a great signing. And I have mixed feelings when I, I hear in hindsight players Manchester United could have signed, the prizes you could have won. And Tony Cruz was obviously um, an, another player who thought he was joining Manchester United. Uh, Cesc Fabregas, I remember covering that story really closely uh, in David Moyes' closed season. And there were so many conflicting versions of the truth. And that happens in football. There's smoke and mirrors all the time. And Moyes had spoken to Fabregas. He was up for joining Manchester United. I think he would have been a good signing. Even more so when you saw how Manchester United started to fade post-Ferguson. And it's a shame that they couldn't get some of the deals over the line. Thomas Muller is a, is a world-class footballer. Tony Cruz is a world-class footballer. And you like to see world-class players at Manchester United. How, how are they going to do? No one knows. When Bastian Schweinsteiger signed, I thought that he was a, a really good signing. And unfortunately, in the post-Fergie years, more signings have failed than being a success but I sense that Muller was a real deal and I sense Cruz was as well he's been fantastic for Real Madrid and he's got quite a good humour about him as well uh, I've never interviewed him I've never spoken to him but I quite like his humour on social media I think it just shows a, a, a recruitment policy which could have been better in the post-Ferguson years and if there's any light at the end of the tunnel then it seems to have improved in the last year the four signings that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has made, I wouldn't regret any of them so far. And I wouldn't have said that a year after Schweinsteiger had signed or after Depay had signed or even after Kagawa had signed. Uh, a lot of the players who promised so much um, ultimately failed and, and moved on or disappointed if they didn't fail or were underwhelming. Laura, you spoke to Odion Igalo for an article that is brand new and up on The Athletic right now. Let's hear a little bit of it. I just wondered how you're doing fitness-wise. You know, you're considering you haven't played, you know, for a long time. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling much better. Game by game, I'm getting there. Because, like I said, since December, I've not played a game. I'm, I'm getting closer to full fitness. So, yeah, and you obviously did the work away from Carrington to begin with. UK take Taekwondo, taking it off. You know, it shows the willingness that you've got. The kind of extra activities that you were doing. I mean, what was that like? Yeah, it's good, you know, because uh, I need that extra work to push me to the level because, you know, the last time I played in Premier League was three years ago, mm. so it's different to where, I'm coming, where I was coming from. So mm. I just need that sharpness, I just need that extra bit of push. How, how important do you think your role will be? Because, obviously, Marcus Rashford's out injured. Mm. You're a different kind of striker to Anthony Martial. Mm. I, I think, am I right in saying that, you, you know, the hold-up play that you do is, is excellent? Um, you know, I, I saw some of clips of you practising that as well, you know, with the, the holding the, the defender off. Can you just sort of talk to me a little bit about that and how you well, manage to uh, do that? Well, I've played in Premier League before. I know what it requires. I, I know you have to be very strong and physical and get to hold it. 
some balls there up front for your team to push forward. So I'm working towards that and I'm getting better and better. And then, mm -hmm. you know, we have good players there. Fortunately, Rashford is injured. Masha is a good striker. Sometimes he played from the side, from the right. So need one guy to try to hold the ball. So I'm happy whatever I'm being called upon to, to do anything, I'm ready to go. Promising stuff from Manchester United's brand new striker. Laurie, how is he adjusting to life at Manchester United? I think he's done really well, um, considering that he came from you know China. For, you know, he's been in Chinese Super League for three years, where obviously the standard is 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 far below that of the Premier League. He hadn't even played since December the sixth, I think it was. Um, you know, so it's a long time out. Um, but clearly, the 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 passion he has um, to to have a chance at playing in the Premier League again, but specifically for Manchester United, who he's made no secret of the fact that he was a, a fan, and you know it's easy probably to throw around that kind of comment, but I don't think it should be underestimated that you've got a guy here who's so excited to play for United and, and will clearly give his absolute all uh, and do anything that's asked of him. I think that kind of enthusiasm in the squad is is, is infectious. So he's obviously started when he came across and, and wasn't allowed sort of at Carrington for sort of safety reasons with the whole coronavirus thing um, was away doing his own thing at UK UK Taekwondo um, you know posting pictures and, and, and clearly doing proper work there that, that has you know got him in, in a decent shape for, for, for coming into United's team um, and I think the fact that he's actually come on you know in three games in a row um, you know obviously building up the minutes has been you know pretty promising and clearly he's had two really good chances in, in that time um, was unfortunate really uh, against Watford that he, you know, rounded Ben Foster and then um, the defender just got a, a little nick on the ball to take it onto the post. And likewise against Chelsea, you know, Willy Caballero, decent save, you know, perhaps he, he could have scored, but not the worst effort in the world. So, um, and I think he just does offer something slightly different to, to Anthony Martial, you know, if, if they need to hold the ball up a little bit more, um, you know, he's got a good running um, in behind. So, um, and speaking to him, you know, he, he is you know, a decent size um, as, a, as a striker. He held himself very upright um, and he spoke very calmly um, you know, you could tell though that he was, he was, you know, delighted to be to be at United, um, and he, you know, he made no secret of the fact that he wants to score goals. You know, I mean, he's he's not here just to kind of make up the numbers and and uh, be on the bench and and kind of you know come on when when required. He wants to make an actual impact. I, I do think that is. Um, you know, something to be considered. You know, when you when you think of uh, the struggles that other teams have had in bringing in a striker, you look at Spurs, and clearly Jose Mourinho probably would have liked to have a striker in. There's a suggestion that Spurs did actually make a late bid for Igalo, but he only had eyes for United. Chelsea, obviously, were looking at trying to get a striker in. In reality, you know, for, for a loan that it is, um, you know, fairly low cost in in, in current terms. He clearly desperate to play. He, he's clearly got you know good stuff to offer. Um, I actually think it was a pretty pretty good piece of business. Agallo certainly in well still hasn't made his first start. Andy, let's see your opinion. Would you have him start on Thursday or on Sunday? Yeah, I think he deserves a, a start. And goalkeeper goal, goal scorers are about goals. And as soon as he gets his first one, uh, I think he'll settle down. Uh, a friend of mine was sat behind. A dozen Nigerian United fans with Igalo fan on their T-shirts on Sunday during the Watford game. He didn't score. Uh, I've got faith that it'll be a decent signing. And I think uh, if things are going well against Bruges, then he either comes off or even start him. I wouldn't be too troubled if he starts. And um, I, I think United did well to get a striker in January. Just hope he can be a success. And from one Manchester United striker to another... Happy birthday to Dennis Law, who turns 80 this week. Andy, where does he rank 
in the pantheon of great. Oh, he's one of the absolute best. That's why his statue is outside the ground. In fact, he doesn't have one statue. He has two. He's on the, the Trinity with George Best and Bobby Charlton, but there's also a statue of him on the concourse in the Stratford End. Dennis Law was the original king of the Stratford End. He's United's third uh, all-time top scorer behind Wayne Rooney and Bobby Charlton. But he scored those goals, 237 of them, in fewer games, far fewer games than Rooney and Charlton. His goal-scoring rate was even better than George Best's. And he's a good guy. It was great to see him at the game with his lovely daughter, Diana. I think he would get into any Manchester United team ever. And I can't really praise him any more than that. I just wish I would have seen him play. I was too young. I've been fortunate to interview him several times, but absolute world-class player and uh, won the European Cup with Manchester United, played in one of Manchester United's greatest ever teams. I think that's all for now this week. Um, Thank you very much, Laurie. Thanks, Carl. And thank you to you, Andy. Cheers, Carl. Uh, And that's all for Talk of the Levels this week. Don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic to hear this show and many more. You can sign up and get a 40% discount right now using the promo code UNITEDPOD. Our show will be available for free via the usual podcast providers. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talk of the Devils podcast, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We'll be back next week.